Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Ball and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good evening, Patrick. How's it going? Doing well, Jeff. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. How are, what's new, anything? Not really. It's been pretty uneventful. Cool. Okay. Just, you know, always welcome. <laughs> yeah, right. Things get eventful. It's not, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, but yeah, just been, been a cool week. Nice. Now, it's literally been, it's literally been a cool week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Them temperatures dropped and then came right back up. True. It's so weird. So weird. It's like, here's a preview of what's to come. Yep. Getting sick weather. Yep. And then it was, we returned to your regular scheduled weather programming. Right. Uh, Thank you for experiencing this trial run. Yep. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Please like and subscribe. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, everything's good here. Um, nothing too too exciting, I don't think. Um, Grayson had a gymnastics clinic, back handspring clinic, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so basically it's just to help. I mean, she's so close to getting into it anyways. So close. And then yesterday, finally, during the clinic, she... You know, he kind of, the coach that was doing the clinic kind of put his hand there, but then kind of moved it quickly away yeah. while she was doing it. It's like, boom, you have it. I'm like, yeah, that's what she's been trying to, what we've been trying to get her to do. Yeah. And then, so now she has it and is very excited. So, as she should be, because she's been working hard on it. Hard work pays off. Yep. York has uh, learned the art of, well, no pun intended, but the art of paint pouring, mm-hmm. pour paint, I think is what they call P-O-U-R, not P-O-O-R, um, where somehow I guess you use like use paint and then you do like this mixture of Elmer's glue, but it's the non-toxic kind. I forgot what it's called. Anyways, uh, there's this specific kind and you basically just pour it on and then you just kind of move the move the canvas you know kind of side to side and up and down it kind of does different designs that way mm-hmm. and then uh once it dries you could then you know paint on top of that if you wanted to so it kind of adds layers and stuff so he did his first one yesterday yesterday afternoon before we left to go to the movies and then he did a second one when we got back. And I didn't even know he was down here doing it. <laughs> That's how tired I was. Like I knocked out, I didn't even hear him. But yeah, he uh, he's did an excellent job and it looks amazing and seems fairly simple to do. It's just uh, you just have to have the right colors and the right supplies, I guess. And to right. do it. He, when he was smart, they, well, I guess Ruth helped because she helped set it up for him. But you basically take – they just took a an old cardboard box. Mm-hmm. They still kept it in the box for him. And then two old, like, 
Shift YRD cup things to set the canvas on. Mm-hmm. And then you do all the pouring and everything inside there. So therefore nothing gets on the table or anything else. It all stays contained in the box. Right. And then it can still dry with, you know, the paint falling off the sides if it needs to. So cool. Pretty pretty neat little setup, I thought. But he had a great time. So much so he uh, he actually took it over to his mom's today and then they did their own uh, later this evening. It was turned out they both of them turned out really well. They both did one. So pretty cool. I'm sure he'll be setting up a Etsy shop in no time. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> might as well. Might as well, right? Yeah. No kids got talent, so we might. Yeah. He should. He should. But other than that, not much else going on. However, um, I'm not one to talk sports or football all too much, but mm-hmm. this weekend was a big weekend because it was the Missouri Tigers homecoming weekend. And they just happened to face off our Vanderbilt Commodores mm. for homecoming, which they usually they often do, actually. <laughs> um or at least they have a couple of times now. And I was really wanting to go, but obviously couldn't. But one of these days I will. Because yeah. uh, Tigers game is a, a whole experience in, in, of a, in and of itself, especially the tailgating. But a Missouri homecoming experience is like, no, no, is like nothing you've seen. I've been to a few uh, way back. But it was always a lot of fun and they uh so tigers were up 17 to nothing for a good part and then they ended at uh third quarter they went what i guess sorry third quarter vanderbilt scored okay and i'm on we're on the way to the movies at this point yeah, I was like, of course. I said, they're going to blow it. <laughs> I put my Tigers hoodie on to go to the movies and everything, but they're so going to blow it. I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that person that's like, I put the, the hoodie on, so I now jinxed them that whole bit. Right. Because I'm irrational that way. And <laughs> we got to the movies in more than enough time, got in our seats, getting ready, to, you know, commercials and, Maria Menudos and the newbies <laughs> and all that nonsense that's on. I've got the game on on my phone, but the volume's off. Yeah. And it was 17 to 10. I said, oh, my God, they're going to try and blow this game. Missouri's going to try and blow this game in the fourth quarter with, like, two, like, less than three minutes left in the game. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe this. They're totally going to blow it. This is what they do. Oh, my God. I can't believe they're going to blow home. I mean, <laughs> against Vanderbilt. I'm like, this, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. But they ended up pulling it off, and they won 17 to 10. So, thank goodness. I was it was pretty intense, but yeah, they they held them off. So the Tigers finally have their first SEC win. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. Th- this year, this season for them has been the season of almost. Mm-hmm. This is their almost season. They almost beat Georgia. They lost by a touchdown. They almost beat South Carolina and almost beat Florida, all of which by seven, maybe ten or less points. Yeah. And they just 
they would be leading or getting really close and then just let it slip away. So I think one more year and they should be good, at least competitive-wise, like very competitive. This this year they're just getting that groove going, and I think next year they'll be in good shape. So Almost there. Yeah, almost there. But hooray, at least they got their first SEC win. And, of course, it would be against Vanderbilt. So Yeah. It always cracks me up whenever they come here and Vanderbilt does the black, gold, black, gold chant, which is mm-hmm. always hilarious to me because both teams are black and gold. So they're kind of chanting for both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so, Being you know, fair. Yeah, yeah, as you yeah. should. So, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. No, it, it, was, it was good. And, you know, then we went and watched Black Adam, to which we will get to. But yeah, no, it's been pretty decent week. Some stressors, but you know those things come and go, much like most things in life. Uh, yeah, uh, trailers. Let's get into it. Oh my gosh, Patrick, I am so excited. I am ready. I am pumped. I've seen it on the small screen, being my phone, mm-hmm. and I've seen it on the large screen, being in the theater. We finally have the trailer for Creed 3. Yeah, same. I, in the theater. <clears throat> I cannot explain how excited I am. Now, every one of these Creed trailers has sold me every time. Now, yeah. <clears throat> I was a little disappointed. I felt the Creed 2, I liked the trailer more than I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I still like the movie, but I love the trailer. It was an amazing cut of the trailer. But this one, like, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm just, I'm on. I, I mean, you have Michael B. Jordan, who is direct, his directorial debut. Yep. And, you know, continuing his role as uh, as Adonis Creed. And, you know, of course, Tessa Thompson as Bianca. And then we're bringing in Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. to play his to play his uh, childhood friend, Damien Anderson. Right. So we've got Killmonger, Valkyrie, and now King the Conqueror up in this <laughs> in this movie. See you crossover, man. Yeah, man. But dude, I they <laughs> they showed Jonathan Major without his shirt on. I'm like, I was like, dang. <laughs> he, he looked like somebody that's been in prison. Yeah, he's swole. With, woo! Man, he's swole. Yeah. Good night. Even I was getting the vapors. I'm like, whoo, brother, <laughs> hold on. Chisel. Yes. I don't think that's the word. Yeah, there you go. Right. <clears throat> but now, uh, so yeah, Creed Three is uh, set to come out March third of next year. After dominating the boxing world, Adonis has been thriving in his career and family life. When a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. Dun, dun, dun. All I'm saying is bring it. Bring it. And I guess... Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. That's not a good name. It's evil. No. We, we shouldn't... Yeah. What's your... What's your middle name? Are you sure you don't want to go by your middle name? It's <laughs> it's Balthazar. Oh, okay. Never mind. Beelzebub. No. All right. Okay. Maybe. All right. Damien it is. 
more like damn man. Nah. Right. Yeah. But no, it, it looks it looks intense. Uh, two acting powerhouses going up against each other alone. I mean, yeah. Something. Yeah. Like with the second one, <clears throat> the only thing that disappointed me was like some of the boxing scenes. On like how they mm-hmm. shot the first the boxing in the first movie. I yeah. Put you in it. I'm kind of yes. hoping they go back to this one where it kind of merges merges you into you know get yeah. into it. Like you're the one boxing where it feels exactly. Like yeah. yeah, I'm I'm very excited. So, and it's on my mom's birthday when it's released, so that's you know not a bad thing either. Uh, yeah. And then we've only got two, and then the other one is a man called Otto, a grumpy widower whose only joy comes from criticizing and judging his exasperated. Neighbors meets his match when a lively young family moves in next door, leading to an unexpected friendship that will turn his world upside down. Directed by Mark Foster, excuse me, Mark Forster, starring Tom Hanks, uh, Rachel Keller, Manuel Garcia Rolfo, Cameron Britton. Kaylee Hyman and Lavelle Schley. Oh, and Mark Mike Berbiglia. So, based on the best-selling novel. Let's see, and I did see a, a trailer. Uh, I think it just dropped like not too long ago. Uh, called "All Quiet on the Western Front" with Daniel Bruhl. It looks like it's going to be all uh, all in German. A young German soldier's terrifying experience and distress on the Western Front during World War One, Coming to Netflix October 28th. So here in like two weeks. It looks like a very war. It, it looks like a war movie for sure. <laughs> like very much a war movie. And. I like I watched the trailer and went, I really don't know if I want to watch this. Right. Like it's that kind of thing where you had to be in the mood to watch kind of like saving private Ryan, where it's just, they're doing their best to be as realistic as possible. And it just, it's like, we get it. War sucks. Yes. Horrors of war. Yeah. I don't need it to bring me down like that. <laughs> like I don't need that kind of a movie, but I understand it. And, I mean, I'm sure I'll end up watching it. I'm just not going to be in a rush to watch it. But if you if you like war movies and, and uh, things like that, then you'll, you'll probably really enjoy this again. It looks like it's all subtitled in, in uh, German. So that is it. All righty. Let's get into our feature presentation. This week's feature presentation is Black Adam. Rated PG-13 at 2 hours and 4 minutes. I thought it was 2 hours and 34 minutes, but yeah. 2 hours and 4 minutes. Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb 
ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. Directed by Judge. What do you think? Shamu? Jamu? A? J A U M E? Yamu? Here you go. Yamu? Kolei? Sarah. We'll go with that one. Uh, and starring Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, or as my daughter knows him as Dr. Bravestone, <laughs> as Black Adam, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, Noah Centino as Adam Smasher, Sarah Shaw-E as Adriana Tomas, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, Arwan Kanzari as Ishmael, Bodhi Sabangui as Iman Tomas, and Muhammad Amir as Kareem. And then, of course, cameo by uh, Viola, Viola Davis as uh, Amanda as Amanda Waller. So she's got her hand. Everything. She's the Wong of the DCU. Right. Just Waller. <laughs> yeah, just Waller. Yeah. Oh, can't have the Wongers. I bet you can have the Wallers. Yeah. Might not want her, though. No, no, probably not. God, that'd be... Oof. Not the nicest. Imagine, imagine that relationship. God. <laughs> Definitely find you submissive, because... Yeah. She's, she's it ain't her. <laughs> not at all. Yep. So, Black Adam. So, this is an anti-hero movie. Yeah. He's not a hero. And he'll be the first one to tell you. Yep. Nope, he's not a hero. His son's a hero, but he's not a hero. Uh, so, Black Adam is based... It, this is, a, of course, if you don't already know, is from the DC... Uh, DC movie... verse... It is so Black Adam is known as essentially Shazam's supervillain and also Superman's, but mostly Shazam because because Black Adam was, you know, was basically summoned by the same by the same uh, God or gods because and had the same powers of Shazam bestowed upon him. However, he did not utilize them the way because he was not true of heart, I guess. They made a mistake. And so that he basically, instead of using his powers for good, decided to seek revenge against his enemies. And therefore, the gods then basically you know, fought against him and put him in a tomb. And... You know, you fast forward to the future and Kondok, which is the made up country that they're using for this uh, setting. Fast forward, they're basically trying to use it kind of, they're trying to make Kondok kind of like their Wakanda. Like they're mining for, I guess, what was it? Ethereum? Ethereum? I think it's Eternium. Eternium, whatever. Unobtainium, whatever. Yeah. It's same thing, the thing. The, 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 yep, the precious uh, 
energy substance and they're mining for. And so I, it was never really clear to me who these bad guys were. But, I mean, was it like a mercenary group? Um, they called them um, inner gang. That, that's all they say, inner gang. Yeah. I, that's, that's, but, that's it. They're just, but it, made, it, it was like a British thing, though, because it's like they were all like Brits. And that was, yeah. Or a good majority of them were. So they're just the generic bad guys. <laughs> yeah, just. So that should tell you, there's n- not a whole lot of background <laughs> that they're concerned with. They're the evil people that are mining this mineral. For this their yeah. Various deeds. Right. And um. Yeah, I mean, basically they're doing the same thing like five thousand years ago, mining for the same thing. Yes. And then still won't stay away you know right and still won't set the people free they're still having to check they're doing like checkpoints and stuff like that basically like martial law yeah more or less and yeah wow but this uh but you have you have Amon and and uh adriana brother and sister who are or sorry mother and son who are along with her brother trying to trying to find you know find the crown you know of, that's made purely out of eternium and they're trying to basically go and hide it because they don't want it to fall into the wrong hands and in doing so lead the bad guys to it as well so to get out of it she finds the carvings in the ground that if she recites it, will essentially release Black Adam from his tomb. Right. Or bring him back to life from his tomb. Yes. And in doing so, he, for whatever reason, kills all the bad guys and saves her, but doesn't know, you know, doesn't, nobody knows why he's trying, to, why he will save her, but will kill everybody else. Yeah, they don't explain that. No, they don't. Um, just does, I guess, because he's she summoned him. I guess maybe. And she, you know, she's not shooting anything at him, <laughs> tearing up his hoodie. Yeah, exactly. Step my hoodie. You gotta yeah, go. no, you got to go. Yeah. Uh, it, which then, because he does all this killing, it finally brings the attention of the Justice Society, which is really just Doctor Fate. <laughs> And he's in connection with Amanda Waller, who's like, you know, I'll trust you. You know, it's like, basically, you take care of this. And before I do type of thing is what it more or less amounts to. And he's like, well, we'll just bring in the we're just going to bring the we'll put the team together. It'll be fine. It'll be great. You know, so he gets Hawkman, who he's worked with in the past, and they have a history to which none of it's explained. (laughs) But then they bring in two new people. Adam Smasher, who is taken after his grandfather's, no, his uncle, his uncle Al's. So he's taken that over for the first time, for what it seems like, because he hadn't tried on the new outfit yet. And then you have Cyclone, who also has powers, but has also not worked with the Justice Society. Yeah, for both. To which I'm like, well, it's not much of a society. It's more of a duo with a couple of newbies. Training. 
like how bad it like it's it's kind of bold to call yourself a you know a whole group without establishing actually yeah <laughs> and that part kind of amongst other things i i had i had problems with the what characters from the jsa they chose to use in this as it was and the fact they only the jsa has always been at least six five to six five to seven roughly on this team i mean like it's a fairly big team but the justice league it's usually at least four or more <laughs> and they went with three or four for this and two of which had never been on the team so anyways that part kind of bothered me more i thought about it after the movie ended um as far as the logic and everything <clears throat> but nonetheless you know the team gets together and they're like well we're gonna we have to basically go take him down because he's killing people to which when adriana first meets dr fate and hawkman she's like you know we've been suffering for 30 years or more no one's ever no one from the justice society no one from the justice league has paid a lick of attention to what's going on here but basically the champion as black adam is known as comes back and you know is doing things to help free us now now you you know we've gotten your attention and now you want to come and try and help even though we don't need your help now right so i was like well she does have a point <laughs> I can't can't disagree with her there. <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, Black Adam and Aemon have kind of like a uh, a Terminator uh, John Connor relationship. Got that vibe too. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't kill people. Why? <laughs> can't have a cool catchphrase like "Hasta la vista, baby." <laughs> You had to have a cool catchphrase like telling the man of black sent you. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Same relationship. But you had to do it before you killed them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie does have quite a bit of humor in it. Like, there's more than I thought there would be because DC likes to take itself a little bit too seriously. Uh, unless it's the Shazam movie. That one's got a healthy amount of comedy in it. It makes it more fun to watch. This one has some. I just wish it had more. I think that would have helped with the tone. Because it's still so dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not as dark as some of the others, but it's it still has its dark tones. I mean, I get it's called Black Adam, but it doesn't have to be. It ain't going to be like that. Yeah. I mean, we have Black Panther, and it's not dark. It's still fun. Yeah. It's. It, it could still be joyful and entertaining, but you know the it it has it, it it's a I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed it more than I thought it would, but I'm not like in a rush to go see it again type of thing. Yeah, the same because um, I had a friend went to see it. It was our first time doing 4DX. So oh, okay. Before, so before I'm like, he was asking, give me whiplash. <laughs> Is it like a roller coaster? I'm like, maybe we should just stick with the regular, the standard. Just do standards. Like, no, no. <laughs> All right. Because this, this um, is a comic okay. movie. 
it's an action movie. It, you sure? So she wanted to do it, so we did it. Afterwards, she was like, "Yeah, that was a cool experience, but I'm not gonna do it again." <laughs> <laughs> liked it, but didn't like it enough to do it again. <laughs> yep. so, like, I gave you a heads up. Yep. But uh, but yeah. Um. One thing about Black Adam, he does not use doors, or he makes his own doors. No, or what? Yeah, I'm like, bruh. I thought they would have at least had a scene like, look, this is how a door works, and then have him yeah. try where he pulls the door off, or you know, you know, do something funny with it. But they didn't, so I was like, you had a missed opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And then, then the music was a little too heavy for those scenes. Yes, like it had been kind of light. Cause I think I think those moments were supposed to be funny, which I laughed, but I think it would have been more come off better if the music was a little lighter, instead of mm-hmm. you know what they had. Um, yeah, like you said, Black Adam did not he he does not have discernment when it comes to taking somebody down, like literally just frying people, and he literally threw somebody yeah. into a rocket, like somebody yeah. they launched a missile at him, he threw somebody into him, like man, that's that's brutal. Um, but like you, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, this is, you know, normally we get a very charismatic Dwayne Johnson. He's not too much. She's she's a little more brooding. Um, you know, he's got some attempts at humor, but because he's so kind of mean with it, it's not doesn't come off the same as his in his other movies, which is cool. It's good to see a different kind of version of him in a movie instead of. On what he's done in the past, um, and he, he did eventually get it. You know, he, he started to think more about his actions, but you know, I think Black Adam's gonna be Black Adam. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a very yeah, and it's a very interesting character too because because he is such a antihero. He's not really in those movies. I feel like are really kind of touch and go. It's really difficult to. Because you have to get the audience to want to root for this character. But you also kind of... I mean, the character's still mostly a villain. Especially at the comics. So, it's a... Like, how do you make a villain film? (laughs) But, it's, you know... I don't know. That's just The Rock. You can't make him a villain. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know he ain't going to die. Because, you know... It's in the contract. Danger, right? Maybe everybody into this. Everybody else, (laughs) something might happen to them. Right. Well, he can't lose a fight because you know it's in his contract. Sorry. It hit so many times. That mess. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Rock ridiculous. But yeah. But yeah, in the the other issues I had, they of course did zero attempt at trying to give you any kind of background. For your JSA members. I mean they legit. I mean in the sense that they. Basically gave like a 20-30 second blurb about them. As they're showing them arriving there. That's not enough. Show them actually. You know in a fight scene or something. Like anything. Old footage. I mean hell show old footage of Dr. Fate and Hawkman working together. With the other members. It's almost like there's a there's a JSA movie before this. There should have been. Yeah. 
you know, or a series or something. It's like, hey, we got a new mission for you. Got to get this guy. And yeah. Kind of like Eternals. If Eternals had a series first, right? In the movie, maybe it would have been received a little better. Maybe. You wouldn't. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. I, I just they needed more. They needed. I don't think Adam Smasher added anything to the movie. Like, he held like a, I, he, he he got a statue. I mean. Yeah. I mean, he was there. Got statue. You go get them. Leave, yeah. Not everything landed. And they try to have a little Adam Smasher Cyclone type thing, like you know. Yeah. We don't. No, it's not needed. This movie does not need a love interest. It doesn't. Your team that's put together, get Black Adam, no. lock him up so he doesn't kill people. That's it. Yep. And your mission is to survive. Pretty much. You see what he's doing to everybody else. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, well, York liked it. He had some problems. Yeah, him and I both had some problems where we thought the CGI looked great until there was a couple of sequences where it looked like it didn't fi- get finished being rendered or something. Yeah. It was very, ooh, it was very noticeable, too. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that's not good. Y'all should have spent, like, another... 30 minutes to an hour on this part because it doesn't look finished. But, uh, ended as all comic book movies, big CGI battle at the end. Yep. There was a point in the movie where I thought it was just going to end. Yeah. Then maybe they could have set something up at the end for a sequel. They could have because, no, it's still going. Still going. Yep. Like, literally, they could have at an hour and 40, hour 45, and just be done. Yep. Then they said, no, we need 20 more minutes. Good. You got a good point to stop. Yep. And then maybe set up what you have for that last 20 minutes for the next movie. Yep. Nope. And. Yeah. Right. And then they. uh, Then the. The mid-credit scene, because there's a mid-credit scene, no in-credit, but there's a mid-credit scene. And I kind of already knew what it was going to be without it. Same. Without, just because, I don't know, animated movie. So, kind of had an idea. Um, but, so there were actually plans for Black Adam to appear in the at the end of the Shazam movie. And they ended up scrapping it at the last minute, I think. Then they were going to have him be in Suicide Squad. And then decided against that also. They also uh, offered it to Jordan Peele to direct. And Jordan Peele's like, yeah, I'm not a fan of superhero movies. You know, I don't want to take that. Plus, I don't want to take that away from someone who's actually passionate about the about those uh, type of movies. So. so look at you. Good on you. Not passionate. Not passionate about it. Or if you don't have an yeah. interest at all, like shows and a lot of movies, like uh, you just don't, <laughs> you don't care about this. You just want to make this. Yeah. Certain projects don't turn out. Yeah, it's. I mean, and again, the critics are harder on it than the audience. The audience is loving it, but critics obviously a little more harsh on it, I guess. 
I liked it. I don't know how it will help the current situation with the DCEU, mm-hmm. if anything, but as a standalone movie, it's fine. Right. Now, if they decide to just to build on something, um, I like the action. The X was almost reminded me that I was back watching the Dragon Ball Z. Where if my friend went there, I would have been holding else to keep me in uh, for certain scenes. And um, lack of development for the JSA, no backstory. Yes. You know, unless they have plans of doing a movie later, you know, if they're not going to use them at all after this, kind of a wasted <laughs> opportunity. Um, I don't know. But I did, I did like Hawkman. <clears throat> yeah. He, he did. Elder Sauce did, did good. Yeah. He did a decent job standing toe to toe with Black Adam. I'm like, man, it <laughs> tried. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was good. I, I was watching the trailer. It says the best superhero movie in years. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Exactly. Oh, my. Um, I did not recognize her. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, I didn't recognize. So I was trying to figure out who the Bond person was uh, in the underground prison area. And it was Jennifer Holland who reprised her role as Amelia Harcourt, uh, who apparently is working for Amanda Waller. Once again, she had previously appeared, obviously, in Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. But her hair was cut shorter, so I didn't recognize her at first. I'm like, I feel like I should know who this is, but I'm not. That's like it's gonna hit me. It's gonna it's it's gonna hit me later, but who is this that they're introducing now? Like or new people? And you're supposed to new and you're supposed to know who it is because they didn't even say her name. <laughs> like you literally could have been anybody. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. So there was talk about Hawk Girl, Hawk Girl, and Star Girl also being in the movie, and then they decided to not do that, just go with Cyclone instead. Gave her a lot of camera time. Too. Yep. Yep. I get it. But yeah, no, it's it's fine. Again, this is a fine movie. Both of my kids enjoyed it. Grace was a little bit tired, but said she still really liked it. Because, uh, I mean, we went to a 6.30 movie, but we still didn't get out to like almost 9. Yeah. So, yeah, she and she'd had a long day. But, but she said she still liked it. So, you know, good for her. Good. <sighs> All right, Black Adam. You, I mean, if you like The Rock, you'll like this. I mean, he rocks it up. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting when you're watching a when you're watching a, a uh, Dwayne Johnson movie. I'm just saying. Doesn't end up in a jungle in this one. I was, I was nope. That's I mean, surprise, surprise. But it was in the desert. Yep. True that. Still, still counts. 
Yeah. <sighs> he was at a con- he was in the concrete jungle though of Kondok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you're up first. Um <clears throat> so I realized this week I hadn't really watched anything that was really Halloween. Mm-hmm. Movie, so I ended up watching Hellraiser on Hulu. And, okay. Uh, I never watched any of the original Hellraiser movies, so I have no reference, nothing to compare it to or anything. So just watch this. Uh, it originally released October 7th this year, <clears throat> runtime of two hours and one minute. Directed by David Bruckner and his stars Odessa uh, Zion as Riley, Jamie Clayton as Hell Priest, Adam Faison as Colin, Drew Starkey as Trevor, Brandon Flynn as Matt, <clears throat> and Gagoran Sneijer. That's right, as Roland White, and I am a boss as Serena. So <clears throat> this is a take on Clive Barker's 1987 horror classic where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that his purpose is to summon the Cenobites. So this say cin- follows. Did uh, you say cin- Did you say Cenobites? That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you see them, you'll think Sorry. different. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, they're, they're not edible at all. <laughs> Summoning Cinnabons. <laughs> um, delicious movie. So it starts off with, I guess, you know how horror movies you guys start off with someone dying. There's like this um, party going on with the attendees, Joey, talking to Serena, who's the lawyer for Robert Roland Voigt, and he's wanting to meet him. So she gives him directions on where to go. He goes into this big room that's got different art sculptures. And in the middle, he sees this box or he sees a, well, it's not a box. It's shaped kind of like a, he sees a rectangle. Yeah. Or, yeah. And so Roland appears and, you know, tells him that, hey, that's a puzzle. It's um, unfinished. So. He encourages him to keep going. He said, well, if I solve this, do I get a prize? And he's like, well, I do. <laughs> Mr. Voigt says, mm-hmm. I do. And so <clears throat> when he does finally finish that last element of the puzzle, um, knife strikes strikes his hand, cutting him, starts gushing blood. And then next thing you know, you got these chains coming out of nowhere, attaching itself to Joey, and boom, he's done. <laughs> and so we fast forward six years later. So now we're following Riley, who is covering addict, took pills, alcohol, you know, you name it. She was on it bad. But she's staying with her brother, and she has a boyfriend that he doesn't doesn't approve of because she he feels that this boyfriend may cause her to relapse and she doesn't need it. So but the boyfriend works where they have these shipping car shipping cargoes that come in. He's like, hey, I there's this one where I'm pretty sure it's full of a lot of pricey stuff where we can sell it and get money. So he brings her in, open up one of the cargo hatches, and 
It's just a safe, single safe. And um, they managed to open it, and they just see the box. And, you know, Trevor's like, I thought it was something else. I was, you know, uh, thought it was something of value. So Riley's like, well, if you don't want it, I'll hold on to it. So Trevor suggests that's a good idea. Find somebody to appraise it later. So she starts messing with it. And like she she's at, sitting in the park. She messes with it. And she solves one piece of the puzzle. Knife comes out, but it doesn't cut her. She starts seeing things. And she, she's um, approached by one of the Cenobites. Basically saying like. Either we take you or you bring someone to us <laughs> type deal. So. Either she lets them take them or she needs to offer a sacrifice. And so her brother finds her in the park and he's kind of like the first victim of this. He just disappears. Of course, nobody believes her of what happened. His his friends, her friends, nobody believes or anything. And um, so she does some digging, trying to figure out what's going on. She finds out about the lawyer who's now at a, it's a nursing home. She's not doing so well. Health is fading and whatnot. Um, and it's all related to Ronald Voigt. Presumed dead. And um, but The bottom line in this box, every time you solve a piece of it, there's a knife that comes out and either, either the person unknowingly holds it in a way where they get cut. If they do, then I have one of these Cenobites approach them and either kill them or they must offer a sacrifice. That's basically what it is. Dang. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was okay. You know, like some of the some of the um, death scenes were pretty creepy, <laughs> and then the Cenobites look creepy as well. Um, of course, like I said, I've never watched any of the original Razor movies, so mm-hmm. I have no ref other than the trailers that came out that had me scared and not wanting to watch them. The facts. So, but um, but I mean, I thought it was I thought it was decent. Um, it reminded me of another movie, but I couldn't I couldn't think of the name of it. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's creepy. It's creepy. So you know, if you got Hulu and you got time, I think it's it's more. If you like creepy things, it's not no no eye things. Surprise. That's good. Yeah. Uh, there is some tearing of the skin and all that. So if you yeah. like that, um, but um, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, could have been shorter. Could have been about twenty yeah. minutes shorter. Okay. Well, speaking of things that are short, <laughs> I uh, I watched with Grayson and Ruth too, actually. Trick or Treat Scooby Doo on HBO Max came out this year, rated G, one hour and twelve minutes, so pretty short. Uh, yep. Starring, uh, well, the voice talents of, of course, Frank Welker, who has voiced Scooby Doo for years, Gray Griffin, who voices Daphne, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy, Kate Micucci as Velma, Myrna Velasco as Coco Diablo, D. Bradley Baker as Esteban, Jeff Bennett as the Shady Guy. And Anthony Kerrigan as Trevor Gloom. 
So Fred, well, basically the whole gang, you know, the mystery machine gang all ended up uh, figuring out who was supplying all the costumes for all the people, for all the, uh, I guess, monsters, using air quotes, you can't see because it's an audio medium, that they've caught in the past. And it all comes back to this one person, Coco Diablo. And so they come to find out she's the one that's behind, been behind these latest uh, crimes and everything. So they're able to get her put behind bars. And then you kind of see that things start kind of drying up and there's really not much for them to do. They're doing like petty like crimes of trying to help get cats out of trees and help people find their shoes. You know, they're matching shoes and, you know, small things, very, very small things. Nothing really worth, you know, uh, you know, the Scooby and the gang. So until... Something happens and there's these ghosts that appear that look oddly similar to Scooby, Shaggy, you know, Velma, Daphne, and Fred. And they're all trying to come after them. It's like, we're coming for you. And so, of course, they're running away, but they can't figure out why, you know, these ghouls look similar to them and why they're, you know, what they're, why they're trying to chase after them. So they end up enlisting the help of Coco Diablo, to which Velma falls in love with. And this is the first Scooby-Doo movie or show, you know, property, we'll see, we'll say, uh, where it is officially uh, come out that Velma is a lesbian. So, and I mean, and there's not really anything that's that controversial i guess you could say in this in that other than she kind of swoons and her glasses fog up but like they they never at any point in time kiss or do any kind of thing like that but you know you could just tell the velma has a crush on coco but is not really reciprocated so but it just it's just one of those and it's not a large part of the story it's just a small little thing that pops up from time to time. But it also shows that Velma's wanting to, it's one of those, even though she knows Coco's guilty, she also respects Coco's intellect and style. And so Velma is, even though she knows Coco's a criminal, she's also kind of trying to give her the benefit of the doubt too. (laughs) Kind of like one of those, maybe she's just misunderstood type of thing. Yeah, yeah, as you do, you know, with when you have a crush on someone, you kind of forget all their negative attributes. <laughs> focus on to the red flags. Exactly. <laughs> but it's cute. I mean, it's a cute Scooby Doo. It's the animation's kind of is it's a mixture of kind of new animation and kind of the OG original animation. So it's a good healthy mix, and it brings back a lot of characters uh from the original scooby-doo and costumes and stuff like that so it's it's cute it's a nice little mystery but it's kind of it is by the numbers and kind of predictable but it's still fun to watch and there's some good funny moments in it 
Grayson liked it. I mean, Ruth and I just liked it for the nostalgia of watching the, you know, reruns of the old ones, the old Hanna-Barbera ones. So it's cute. It's fun. And it's Halloween. So it's very, and it's Halloween themed too, because it's, uh, they're having to figure out all this stuff, you know, on Halloween. So Shaggy and Scoop are afraid they're not going to get any candy because they're too busy <laughs> trying to solve this mystery. Yep. So, but yeah, that's a trick or treat Scooby Doo on HBO Max, and I'm sure it's on Redbox or wherever you can get it. My final entry. Uh, Friday night, I went and checked out Ticket to Paradise. <clears throat> that also released October 21st of this year. Runtime of an hour and 40. Directed by Old Parker. And it stars George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Caitlin Dever, Billy Lord, uh, Max May Bolt-Pierre, Is Bravo. Is about a divorced couple <clears throat> who team up and travel to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they think they made 25 years ago. So, yeah. So, George Clooney, Julia Robert play David and Georgia Cotton. Divorce. Cannot stand each other at all. Um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, their daughter, Lily... Graduated from high school, her and her friend named Rin, for a celebration, they decide to take a trip to Bali before Lily starts her career as a lawyer. But while in Bali, she meets this seaweed farmer named G'day, and they just hit it off. Like, I don't know how, how long this trip was planned, but apparently she's there over a month, and she sends an email to her parents saying, that she's getting married and she's inviting them out. So these two exes have decided that despite the fact that they don't get along, they need to work together to try to prevent their daughter from making a mistake because she only knows this guy a few days and, you know, they're just basing it on their relationship. So as they show in the trailer, they even go as far as to steal the rings because um, there they believe in everything needing to happen Perfect place, perfect time. You know, everything needs to be perfect. So they steal the rings to try to delay things, which, you know, they're successful in doing. Um, I mean, they're accepted by the family, like, easily. Everybody, everybody accepting. They're the only ones, even on the surface, they're saying, yeah, we, they have their blessing, but they're just doing some underhanded things. Um, the guy, G'day, he's... He's a nice guy, um, a seaweed farmer. They literally export all throughout the world, so they definitely have money. Yep. <laughs> so money's not an issue. Um, but it's just showing that David and George are just going to whatever links to prevent their daughter from making the mistakes they made. And while I was watching it, it kind of reminded me somewhat of my situation. Um, like the lesson here is, you know, yeah, things didn't work out with you, but you got your daughter. You know, that's that's what you focus on. Mm-hmm. Just because just because what you had didn't work out, hey, it didn't work out. <laughs> you know, 
but because I feel like you say something negative about your relationship, it's kind of saying something about you got kids, you know. So it's like, don't do that. Um, so where they learn that lesson, where even though they didn't get along, they need to focus on just being there for their daughter, supporting her, because she's now her own woman. You know, even though she just graduated. Um, Georgia also has a boyfriend who's a pilot. Ends up being the pilot on that plane that they end up on together. Um, but um, it's a cute, cute little, cute little movie. Yeah. Of course, George Clooney like and Robert Stay they play well off of each other. Mm-hmm. Pull off the whole ex-husband and wife that don't like each other. They'll go. Um, the friend Ren is pretty much like the comic relief. Just a yeah. Just there to support her friend. Um, yeah, it's first thing. I think it might be, maybe flies under a lot of people's radar. Checking out. Yeah. It looked like it'd be kind of just a cute, cute movie. I got to say about that movie. Okay. Um, the last one I have is a movie I've been waiting to watch and I was very excited. It, I watched the Foo Fighters Studio 666, which is rated R at an hour and 46 minutes. Uh, you can find this on Stars if you have that uh, channel. I'm sure you can find it still on VOD. Legendary rock band Foo Fighters move into an Encino mansion steeped in grisly rock and roll history to record their much-anticipated 10th album. Now, what they don't know is that this house has a past, has a uh, horrific past, in which a uh, another band had tried to record an album there, and doing so while we're trying to get this one song perfect without, you know, they can never just feel like the song could end because it just didn't feel like it was ready to end. And it just wasn't perfect yet. It ended up driving the lead singer mad to where he ended up killing everyone in the house and then killing himself because that's the only way he can make it end. So... Jeff Garland stars as as basically their manager or their record stu- you know record producer or whatever telling them you know we need another album you know when's it going to be ready like oh we haven't even started it so they find this house as a place where they can record it has great acoustics in this one room and so they decide the best way to get this done uh where they can be fully immersed and con- focused on the album is to move into this house and essentially record day and night and, you know, get some rest in between. And so, you know, Dave Grohl's playing himself, well, playing a version of himself. This entire movie is based on the story that Dave Grohl wrote and came up with. Uh, it also stars, obviously, Nate Mandel, Pat Smear, the now late 
Taylor Hawkins, uh, Rami Jaffe, Chris Shiflett. And then Whitney Cummings is in it and stars as their neighbor, kind of a nosy neighbor slash fan, Samantha. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Dave Grohl ends up inhabiting this demon or thing inside of him. And he's just focused on getting this song. And as the movie progresses, he becomes more and more self-absorbed with creating this perfect song that they're like, well, we're, you know, when, when are we going to, we need to put an end to the song. We need to move on to the next thing. They're at 30 minutes for one song. It's like a Led Zeppelin song or something. (laughs) Some really messed up Dave Matthews jam band. I don't know. But uh, killer riffs, though. I mean, they're playing, like, they're actually playing their instruments and everything, and they're, they're making some killer music. Sorry, air quoting that one, too. Yeah. Killer music. Uh, but it really, uh, you know, you get a couple of people that Will Forte's in it, too, as this uh, fan slash delivery driver that keeps delivering, them, you know, the food to them and everything. <clears throat> So people start mysteriously dying and we're trying to figure out, they're trying to figure out who's killing these people on the property and, but also trying to like continue to complete their album. They're not trying to call the cops because they already know how the headlines are going to read, you know, so-and-so dies while Foo Fighter, you know, while famous rock band is, you know, recording their latest album, et cetera, et cetera. And, Oh, so John Carpenter and I believe it's his son uh, ended up composing the score for the movie. So it's very Halloweenish in its score, which is kind of cool because I watched this before I watched Halloween ends. And uh, so it's kind of cool. The score is really good. Um, the music isn't bad. The acting, you know, is going to be what it is. It's not a. It's a. It would be. I could see it having like again, no pun intended, but a cult following. Um, and it's a fun movie, considering you know they're not all that. There's like three actual actors. The rest are just musicians. And, but you know, people die in like the weirdest way, and just it is kind of like it's gruesome, but like in a kind of ridiculous kind of way. Like you're like, damn, really, like that, yeah. and. It's like, this is so stupid. And then you kind of laugh, you know. It's not like, wow, I can't watch this. This is really gross. I have people passing out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's no, it's no Terrifier 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Terrifier 1, for that matter. But it's a fun movie. I mean, it's a fun kind of horror movie to see. And, uh, you know, and the again, the music's really good. And it's not a bad story, considering they had a fairly decent idea and I think they did their best to try and execute it. Uh, they filmed this secretly and they did it during, uh, during the pandemic. So there's a reason why there's literally like two settings for the entire movie. And while, and why most of the movie is just, just the band and like one other person throughout the majority of the movie. But it's it's not bad, and the 
so it was directed by BJ McDonald, who's mainly known for like camera work, but he also did a bunch of music videos, directed a bunch of music videos for Slayer. So this is, and he directed Hatchet Three, I think back in 2013. So since then, this is his first feature film since then. So the rest is mainly either camera operator work or uh, music videos. So it's not bad. I mean, I I enjoyed it enough. You know, it's it's not bad. Studio Six Six Six. But if you like Foo Fighters, it's worth trying to trying to search it out. For sure. For TV, I got caught up on Andor. Episode 6, finally. Very, very good. It's like the whole reason to watch the other episodes is for... Because the heist. The heist is on. It's very intense. It's very... uh, Keeps you interested for sure. And, you know, the 7th episode is not bad. It's good because you got to... Kind of the aftermath of everything. And it's it's good. It's, It's really picking up steam. Everything else is just kind of set up for that sixth episode where like the majority of everything else is kind of built up to that. So, uh, yeah, indoors been getting good. And on, uh, HBO max, they started the second season of the Val, which is about the Nexium cult with, uh, Keith Ranieri and can't think of her, Allison, Allie, Allison Mack from Smallville. So that whole cult and this kind of this season is kind of picking up where picking up where they're starting to arrest people and it's going to go to trial and that whole thing and setting everything up for the trial. But it's also got interviews from different from people that were involved in the cult that weren't interviewed in the first season. So there's some new material that's being added in that. So it's a it's off to a good start. I'm. Course, all in because I find it very fascinating that whole thing. So, that's what I've been watching TV wise. Um, I get kind of caught up on House of the Dragon. Um, Yes, I did get caught up on that too. Yeah, except we're airing tonight or right now. Correct. Um, um, that's what the finale. Yes. Yep, tonight's the finale. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still liking it. I uh, hope they kind of end it. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to end. Um, I do do they? <laughs> right. Um, but then I also watched the latest episode of Atlanta, which was which was a pretty good episode. Um, basically. Ern and Van take their daughter Lottie out to camp for her birthday, and it's also kind of serving as them kind of finally figuring out what they're doing with their relationship. Cause yeah, Ern has a job in L.A. and he wants Van to go with him, but um, you know, he's wanting to stay in Atlanta, and you know, he they they kind of. I guess in a way there's because he's been doing therapy so it's almost like they had a therapy session for their relationship and i think they maybe have it figured out <laughs> but i'll just say the, the beginning of the episode the drive to the camp was a little silent they weren't really talking but by the end of the episode they were actually talking and you see their daughter in the back seat kind of looking at them smiling so 
that trip. I think that that was more her birthday present in the actual camping. Just seeing them kind of smiling and having that good energy. They have one more episode, or two more. Okay. Um, oh, they have three more. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love watching. I'm going to try to get caught up on Andor this week. Watching more than <laughs> Although yep. I did finish the first season of uh, M.H. Tale, finally. Oh, okay. Season two now. I had around five seasons, so I'm got quite a bit of ground to make up on that. Yep. But uh, that's that's good, too. Um, crazy, just to think. Something like that could possibly happen now. We don't even know it, or it could happen. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Ugh, I guess. Alrighty. Um, anyway, let's see what we got coming up this week. Well, I know for Ruth and I, we have her birthday present. <laughs> Uh, Tuesday night, we're going to the Bell Court for a uh, screening of Quirks 3 with uh, Kevin Smith will actually be there and uh, meet and greet after. So that'll be fun for her. So we'll have, so I'll definitely have Quirks 3 to talk about and our experience with all that on the next episode. So definitely uh, check out for that one next week. First two. I really like the first one. The second one. Yeah. Sorry, Dawson's in it, so I liked it. But, uh, there you go. Right. Uh, I'm going to try to go through and watch all the Kevin Smith's movies. Some of okay. them I have seen. Like, you know, Clerks I'd watch way back. You know, black and white. The second one starts off black and white. This color for the most part. Then it goes back at the end. Yeah. Chase and Amy will always be my favorite, I think. Dogma, I like a lot, too. Jay and Silent Bob, Strike Back. Reboot's not bad, but I think, uh, yeah, Chase and Amy is still my favorite. Might be that and Mallrats, I think that's the only one, two I haven't watched. Okay. Cool. Cool beans. All right. Well, we hope everybody continues having an amazing October week as we're starting to wrap it down, kind of wind it down, unfortunately. Very unfortunately. But it is what it is. <laughs> pray for the devil starts this week. What does? Pray, pray for the devil. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I'm still not sure if I'm saying that. Curious, because it's PG-13. I wonder how far they'll push that PG-13. Yeah, true. Yeah, if it's PG-13, maybe I'll go watch it. (laughs) I might be old enough for that. When I saw that, I'm like, eh, it's not going to be too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I might be be old enough to watch that one then. Uh, Might be a Thursday after work. There you go. Sounds like a plan. All right, everybody, we hope you all have an amazing week, and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot.
also recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.